All right, we are in the Gospel of Matthew. We are going through it in discussions, kind of the way we do the uh, book of Jonah on Yom Kippur, where we read a little and then have a discussion. Uh, We're trying to keep that uh, somewhat recorded. I'm trying to remember to repeat the uh, questions. Not very good at that. It's not my spiritual gift, but that's all right. My spiritual gifts are announcements and sarcasm. I'm very good at them, but I'm not very good at, uh, at uh, this uh, recording discussion thing. But that's all right. We'll make it work. We are in chapter 13. Um, uh, we have been uh, looking uh, at the gospel. We're about to enter the section on the parables. We're going to look at the first couple of them today. Um, so we won't probably make it through chapter 13 um, I want to remind you, I've, I've been saying that the book of Matthew, as all the Gospels, has a serious connection to the book of Isaiah. Now, there are a lot of scriptures tied to the Gospels, but repeatedly, Isaiah is directly quoted or alluded to in such a way that I think the Gospel writers, and particularly Matthew, Uh, assumes that the readers that he is writing to have a very good familiarization with the book of Isaiah, the book which I call the gospel in the the Older Testament. The word gospel, good news, is first used in Isaiah uh, pretty significantly in that context, and so I think that there is a direct connection uh, to that. So we're going to begin in... um, Uh, chapter 13, with the first nine verses. Uh, And I'm just going to read this first section. I'm not going to comment on it because I'm going to go into the next section uh, because I think we need to look at the explanation of why the parables before we look into the explanation of the parable. So, that day Jesus went out uh, of the house and was sitting by the sea. Large crowds gathered to him so that he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd was standing on the beach. Now, the way teaching happened in that time is the person who's speaking would sit, and the people who were hearing would stand. Um, now, that we do just the opposite. The person who's speaking stands, and everybody else sits. Now, being on a boat by the sea would work a little bit like an amphitheater for them so that they could hear him. And that's part of what's going on. He spoke many things to them in parables, saying, and now Matthew is going to give us the first parable. Behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them. Others fell on rocky places where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up, and because they had no depth of soil, um, but when the sun had risen, And uh, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Uh, Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. Others fell on good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Now, this phrase that Jesus uses, uh, he that hath ears to hear, is the focus of several statements that have been made already in Matthew, and here we're going to find out what that is really all about. So I want to pick it up at verse 10, 
and, and address that section, and we'll discuss that, and then we'll look at the parable itself. So verse 10 says, And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak in parables? And Jesus answered them, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been granted. For whoever has, to him more shall be given. And he will have an abundance. And whoever does not have, even that which he has, shall be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because while seeing they do not see, and while hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. In their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, You will keep on hearing, but not understand. You will keep on seeing, but not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull. With their ears they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they would see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return, meaning repent. Return to God. And I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it. And to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Now, this section is critical for understanding the parables. The parables have two purposes. One, to those who are hard in their heart. To those who have uh, their own way and just want to minimally uh, access God where they need Him. Uh, the, The parables actually confuse and keep their misunderstanding in place. But to those who have a heart towards God, who are granted to be able to understand, the parables make sense against the rest of Scripture and show what is going on at the time. So, I want you to see that uh, Matthew quotes uh, Jesus saying, While seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. In their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled. Now, there are people who think Jesus now quotes Isaiah, and therefore, if you have a red-letter edition, this continues red. Other people think Matthew is now going back to Isaiah to fill it in for those who, who need it. I don't think it matters. It's still there. It's still inspired by the Spirit. But it's important for us to see that text. So I want you to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 6. Um, It's interesting that in our liturgy today, we actually went to Isaiah chapter 6 and read a passage that we're very familiar with. That passage is uh, Isaiah's vision of the Lord, high and lifted up, where it says, holy, holy, holy. Uh, And we did that as part of our uh, preamble to the Shema today in in our liturgy. And we ended at verse 7 when uh, he is told, Who will go for me? Uh, and the seraphim takes the burning coal and cleansed him. Uh, now we pick it up at verse 8. Then I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And then I said, Here am I, send me. 
And he said, go and tell this people, this people is Israel, it's important to keep this in context, keep on listening, but do not perceive. Keep on looking, but do not understand. Render the hearts of this people insensitive, their ears dull and their eyes dim. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and return or repent and be healed. Then I said, Lord, how long? And he answered, until the cities are devastated and without habitation. Houses are without people, and the land is utterly desolate. The Lord has removed men far away, and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land, meaning the land of Israel. Yet there will be a tenth portion in it, and it will uh, again be subject to burning, like the terebith and the oak, whose stump remains when it is felled. The holy seed is in its stump. Now I want you to catch what's going on. God had dispersed Israel out of uh, Jerusalem and out of the land in the what we call the Babylonian captivity. Uh, they had scattered, and then under Artaxerxes, they come back into the land and they rebuild the temple because the first temple had been destroyed and burned. They rebuild the temple. Now, not all of Israel came back into the land. Just a remnant, if you will, came back into the land. And they were going to be removed again. The temple would be destroyed. And they would go back into diaspora where the rest of Israel was in diaspora. So there is a hiatus going on where God is bringing Israel back in for a purpose. What is that purpose? He has told through the prophets that he would send his Messiah, his suffering servant, and that is the ministry that Jesus is engaged in at this point. And so this is a temporary re-entry into the land, and then it goes back because Isaiah said, how long will this people be Blinded. How long will this people be dull of hearing? How long will the veil be over them so that they don't understand? And he said, until this thing is scattered and destroyed again. Okay? And so the idea here is that the parables are to give the messengers, the apostles, and those who will come to faith, the message of what God is doing... And that gospel will then go into the diaspora to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. And then God will recall Israel and bring the Gentiles, as Isaiah says, with them. He will gather those to those already gathered. So this is really important. Now notice he says it will be torn down like a stump, but the holy seed is the stump. That takes us to Isaiah chapter 11. Recall we went through Isaiah uh, several months back as uh, I was trying to get some of this groundwork laid. I know you don't remember it. I hardly remember it. We need to be going over it over and over again. In chapter 11 it says, now I want you to get the picture because what what does John the Baptist say? The judgment's coming and the axe is already laid at the stump. Right? This imagery comes over and over again. There, if you've ever seen this, and this is a problem for us, there's going to be a problem with the, with the um, 
uh, with the parables is the parables tend to be in a uh, um, shepherding and farming context. And we don't live in that kind of a context. So what Jesus is talking about is common knowledge to the people and they get it fully in that context. We sometimes don't get it. We tend to uh, put the emphasis on the wrong syllable uh, when, we, when we do that. So, if you've ever seen, and I've seen this occasionally, a tree that's been cut down and you see the stump, and all of a sudden, out of that stump comes a little shoot, just rises up out of that thing, like a little bitty tree on that stump. That's what's being talked about here. Chapter 11 of Isaiah. Then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and strength, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what his eyes see, nor make a decision by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he will judge the poor, and decide with fairness for the afflicted of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. His righteousness will be a belt about his loins, faithfulness the belt around his waist. The wolf will dwell with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the young goat, the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, a little boy will lead them, and a cow and a bear will graze. Their young will lie down together. The lion will eat straw like the ox. The nursing child will play on the hole of a cobra. And the weaned child will put his hand on the viper's den. They will not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. And the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Then in that day, the nations, the Gentiles, will resort to the root of Jesse, who will stand as a signal for all the people, and his resting place will be glorious. And then he goes on to talk about the uh, restoration that will take place of Israel in that context. So it's important for us to understand that the time of Jesus was a temporary regathering in the land so that Jesus' ministry could come as the suffering servant. He could accomplish what he's going to do as the high priest. He would ascend then to the right hand of the Father, awaiting the time when he will come back as the root of Jesse, as the one who is the son of David, and he will be the one who rules the nations with a rod of iron, and the kingdom will come in its fullness. These parables are parables of the kingdom. Those who get it will get it, and those who don't will continue in their confusion, Jesus says. And he's talking primarily in that context about Israel. So, with that in mind, remember that what Jesus has been saying is if Sodom had seen what you see, they would have repented. There will be a greater judgment for this generation that Jesus is talking to because if these other generations had seen what they'd seen, they would have repented. But they would have seen with eyes to see and ears to hear, right? But in this case, and he says, the Ninevites heard and repented. The Queen of Sheba heard and repented. The Gentiles did it. Sometimes those who should know better 
miss it, and those who you would think are afar off get it. And that is a constant theme of Paul throughout his letters. So we're back to Matthew chapter 13, but before we do that, we're going to stop and see if there are any questions or comments or thoughts that you want to uh, put at this point. So, so by the way, with the uh, parable, um, I taught this uh, parable at First Baptist Westminster, and we had a lady there that was a, an artist, and she painted the parable of the sower as if I gave, I came up with the idea, and she because I can't paint, I can't draw flies if I need to, right? So uh, I said I've got an idea for that parable, like a window, and you're looking out the window and you can see the different soils, and so it's right on the other side of that wall. You'll see it out in front. You can take a look at it. You'll see the four, uh, four soils. So that's, that's important. So let's take a look at the actual explanation. So Jesus says to them in verse 18, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, I want you to catch that, word of the kingdom. People say, oh, it's the gospel. Oh, it's all the scripture. This is the good news, the word about the kingdom, right? Which is not just the gospel of individual salvation, but of the bringing to all the salvation that God is doing in his creation. If anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom the seed was sown beside the road. Uh, so as was mentioned, this is really talking about the condition of the heart, the, uh, the person who is receiving this word of the kingdom. And there are those who hear the word of the kingdom and they just don't get it. It has no meaning to them. The scripture says the things of God are foolishness to the natural man, right? They simply don't make sense. And so it just gets stolen. And the imagery here is the birds coming and eating the seed on that, that hard ground. You know, that ground that's been treaded. Now think about the ground that's been treaded. It's where everybody's walking, right? It's the majority that is going the way of the world in the sense and just going along with everyone else and just doesn't know what's going on. They tend to be clueless and they are blinded to the spiritual things that God is doing because they're busy just kind of treading down the road, right? So that's the first one. That is what happens when the gospel goes out. If the spirit is not there, if the blindness is there, if the, the hearing is not there, it simply uh, doesn't Go Now the danger is to then change the message of the kingdom to try to get people to accept it. This is one of the problems of our proclamation. People don't get it and instead of seeing that through the parable, we think we got to change the message so they get it. So we change the message to be something they will understand, but now it's no longer the message. So be careful of that. Going to stop there and see if there are any thoughts on. Uh, are we done with the bad soil? <laughs> so, so, so that soil. See, here's the thing you got to remember: people who are in this condition aren't bothered by being in this condition. 
We're bothered by them being in this condition, but they're not bothered by it. person who doesn't believe is not bothered by the fact that they don't believe. The fact that people don't believe bothers those of us who believe, right? And the fact that we believe bothers those that don't believe. But the fact that they don't believe doesn't bother them. That's an interesting thing. You want, you want, can you stop there for a second? You, are you on it? Okay, so why do some of these Jewish people who believe in God not quite understand Jesus? That's a unique thing. It's different than a Gentile who doesn't believe. Those who are doing that, this is what Paul's talking about with that veil that's over them. Uh, he says that that veil can be removed. That's what many of us who address Jewish evangelism are trying to figure out. How, do, how is that veil removed? Is it removed by our prayers? Is it removed by our, uh, our love of, of Israel? How, how is that done? And we're working on that. And I don't think we've got an answer to that. So the question is, so do we read the Bible as if it's Israel's book? Okay. Uh, the scriptures were written uh, under inspiration of God to Israel by Israel. And the New Testament is primarily written to uh, at least the Gospels and the Book of Acts uh, and the Apostles, um, James and Peter, are writing primarily to Israel, that remnant of Israel that believes in, in Yeshua. And Paul is writing to both Israel and the Gentiles. So there, th- we come to the God of Israel. We, our Bibles are the scriptures of Israel. And they're there for the purpose of illuminating us. But the danger is for us appropriating it rather than being illuminated by it. And that's a struggle. Because once the church was independent of Israel, the church sees the text as theirs, right? And therefore they can interpret it any way they want. And I'm saying, no, the text is ours, but it... It isn't ours initially, right? Paul says something to the Corinthians that I think works here. He says, he says to the Corinthians, now remember, the Corinthians are mostly Gentiles. He says, did the word of God come from you? The answer is no. Then he says, did it come to you only? And the answer again is no, right? We have to be careful about thinking we're the source of the scriptures or that they only came to us. They came to Israel. They are to Israel first and to those who fear the Lord, the God of Israel, right? Uh, And so I think if we read them in that context, we have a better understanding than if we read them as if every word was written directly to me by God, which is the way Christians, particularly evangelicals, are taught. So then we apply every verse as if God just said it to me. Right? I know the plans I have for you. Right? That's written to me. Right? No, that was written to the, to the Babylonian captives for a purpose. Now, can that be extended? Yes, but the extension 
is an extension, not a direct text to me. Right? So that, that's, that's the way I would, I would see that. I can see we're not going to get through <laughs> the, the rest of this. Uh, so here's what I want you to do. Want you, we're going to get through the parables uh, next week as we go through this. The two that I think need to be foundational are the parable of the soils and the parable of the tares. And so I'll really take a look at those two next week. And then after that, we'll look at the others. The kingdom of heaven is like, right? So let's do that. Uh, We can go ahead and ring the bell.